science by definition allows for more than one opinion, otherwise you merely have the will of one man, which is the basis of cult. If it's not in the frame, it doesn't exist. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not gonna take this anymore! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I illusion. Where you been? Drunk. Wendy? <laughs> Darling? Light of my life. Oh! What is your one purpose in life? To explode, of course. I like death with sex. How about you, Casey? You like sex with death? Yeah, so fuck off and die. You know, we'll just start right off the gate. <laughs> uh, Jordan over there. We're not doing any video today, so if you're on YouTube, sorry about that. Uh, but you, sh- I wish I kind of was so you could see what I'm seeing right now. Jordan's <laughs> bedridden uh, with the COVID, and it's he's got his like laptop like on his gut, and he's like laying down. And he's yeah, using, it's a flattering like, view phone. for sure. Well, you got like cords running out of you, like you're a fucking from an HR Geiger music video or something. Uh, it's cool, but. Uh, yeah. So. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, they've advance, got me hooked up to the. They got me hooked up to the ventilator, and uh, you know, yeah. it's keeping my lungs pumping. And <laughs> I just, you know, I anything for my fans. I, yeah. I, I'm there for them. The, I, for the I, dozens, <laughs> the half a dozens of you. Uh, All the everyone in podcast land. I I love you, and I I, I will miss you when I'm gone. Right. I only preface this because hopefully it doesn't even matter. Hopefully, everything <laughs> sounds really good, and yeah. it's crisp and solid, but. If we didn't even mention it, it'd be seamless. No one would even know. Hopefully. So if there's, but if there's any weird things, it's because Jordan's got an unusual setup. Me, I'm fucking, I'm solid over here. I mean, I edit everything and I'll just probably either make it perfect or I'll, I'll laze out probably. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm just making your life harder. And so everyone out there in the world, they'll just, you'll do some, you'll do some magic tweaks and they'll be like, whoa, it's, it's, it's so seamless. Everything's no, perfect. I'm such a lazy sack of shit. So t- I literally am just like <laughs> denoise or good enough. export uh anyway so this well this is a podcast actually is why i mentioned it this is the in fact the cult of cinema knowledge podcast Uh, (laughs) i like that i like the i like you really you really had to dig deep in that one in fact yeah believe, believe it or not uh so it's it's cozy movie month we're reaching the end of the year uh, I've been wanting some more kind of laid back, chill vibes to bring down my blood pressure as we go into the holidays. Uh, mostly working. It's been good. So uh, weirdly enough, I never would have thought Tarantino wouldn't necessarily fit that bill. But today we're watching what? Our third Tarantino movie, I think. At uh, least. I think so. Because it was Django and then Reservoir in, Dogs in and Glor- this, I think. We never Dude, did Dude, we've done... Oh my god! I swear we did. No, dude, you're losing your. You were. You got COVID brain, man. Because like, I no, wish we just we do this every single time. We I just know. do this every single time. I know. All right, I, I haven't seen Inglorious Bastards in a hot minute, which is too bad. I need to rectify that. But uh, no, today you clicked on the fucking thing. You if you're you see the thumbnail. We're doing. Uh, what's the other one? The new one. Once upon yeah, a time Holly, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Um, it so, is. It it is truly so. This isn't your this isn't your grandpa's Hollywood, baby. Yeah, well, it is. This actually. is Tarantino's. Gra- yeah, yeah. This yes. is Tarantino's grandpa's Hollywood. Exactly. Uh, so I got. Let me pull it up because I'm a good boy. Oh yay! You wrote a synopsis. I did. Well, I got so sick of trying to ramble together synopsis, so I'm like, oh, I should make an effort. So I'm trying to do that, but. Sometimes easier said than done. Oh, nope. That's a GURP sheet. 
On my Google Docs? <laughs> no, dude. We're read... not talking about GURPS. <laughs> okay, Leave so... it at the door. <laughs> I know. So listen up. Everyone shut up. Mom, Cindy, this is for you who haven't watched the movie but are still somehow made it this far into the podcast. Uh, so once upon a time in Hollywood, Rick Dalton, an actor who fears his best days may be behind him, may be behind him, and his stunt double slash assistant slash best friend Cliff Booth navigate Hollywood in 1969. Cliff is struggling to stay relevant, or, or sorry, Booth, uh, Rick. Rick is struggling to stay relevant, and Cliff is just living his best life with his pit bull brandy. Uh, in the Hollywood Hills, living next door to Rick are Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. As Rick debates shooting spaghetti westerns in Europe, Sharon lives the joyful, carefree life of a rising star of the era. She goes to parties and rubs shoulders with the hippest cats of the industry. Meanwhile, Cl Cliff keeps running into the same hippie girl around town and eventually picks her up hitchhiking. He takes her out to an old movie ranch he used to work on at the edge of town where a congregation of unwashed youths gather. It's a bit tense and sensing their possible nefarious nature, Cliff leaves. Six months pass, Rick and Cliff go to Italy and shoot a few movies. And Rick even manages to pick up a wife while there. They head back knowing this is the end of an era. Sharon, as pregnant as can be, tries to survive the heat with her friend Jay. Unbeknownst to them, a few hippies from the compound are targeting Sharon and her friends. Their cult-like bloodlust is redirected, however, when drunk Rick draws their attention. Cliff, also drunk, drops some acid and walks his dog. When he returns, the three knife-wielding hippies accost him as well as Rick's fancy new Italian wife. Drunk and high, Cliff is able to dispatch them with the help of a good girl, Brandy, uh, but not before getting stabbed and passing out. Uh, the last remaining intruder, badly wounded, bursts through the sliding glass door, interrupting Rick's drunken pool time. He sees the gun and, tra and grabs the flamethrower from his shed and quickly dispatches the assailant. The cops come and Cliff is taken to the hospital, but everyone is pretty much okay, except for the hippies, of course. Uh, out in the street, Cliff runs into Sharon's friend, Jay, who has come down to check out all the commotion. Sharon invites Rick up, as, uh, and they are all happy and alive. Nothing but bright futures ahead of them. As the title fades in reminding us, this is all just a fairy tale of what could have been. Yeah. That's what the gist. Could have been. I mean, there's a lot of, that's the thing. I think, uh, I mean, I want to get your first impressions, but like the half of that synopsis was literally the last half hour of the movie because so much right. of the first hour and a half to two hours is sort of just like character development and like them living their lives. There's like foreshadowing and stuff, but it's just like, it's about like, you know, Rick's struggle to like, be relevant in his own problem with being an actor and Cliff trying to be the buddy that he is and maintain his job and just chill out and be cool, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's an amazing movie, like depicting the relationships you build in Hollywood and that world and like how tight knit the circle is and how everybody kind of knows each other's like fucking, you know, drama and like kind of their deepest desires but, like, there's only a, a select few that know, like, your true side and your true self. And, like, without them, you would kind of fall apart. Right. And that's why it's such a... This is definitely a fairy tale, which yeah. is, you know, fantastic. That's why it's such an interesting chemistry between Rick and Cliff. And it's, like, their friendship. And it doesn't really kind of fruition to, like, they're started as, like, 
uh, employer, employee, and then at the end he finally calls him a friend. But earlier on he even says like, uh, Rick is like, you know, that's fucking Roman Polanski next door. I'm one pool party away from getting put in the next Roman Polanski film. Um, and like, that is, it's like who, you know, you know what I mean? It's like Sharon Tate doesn't realize that she's like, you know, she knows all the cool cats, but she's just shown in this movie anyway, to be so like carefree and chilling and stuff. But like Rick is like, he doesn't really have any friends other than Cliff. You know what I mean? It's like, he, that's why it's like, like you say, it's very Hollywood in that way. Cause it's like, it's not until he makes, he could be a great actor. That little girl can think he's the best actor alive, but until he rubs shoulders with fucking Sharon Tate, who is now his neighbor, that it's like, that might be the thing. I don't know. That's who you know, you know what I mean? Well, and I do, yeah, I mean, it definitely, yes. It's it's who you know and then what relationships you cultivate. Like, I do think it's it's interesting when, well, here, let's start with, let's start with first impressions, actually, because this is what your, what, probably third time you've seen it, if not more? What, I feel time? like I've seen it four times. I feel like this is my fourth time because I saw it in theaters. You, you saw it in theaters. Really liked it. Saw it right when it came out. And then I think I watched, like, right when it came out on video after that. Yeah. Watched it again with Mary. And then I think I watched it again, like, last year. So third or fourth. Okay. So you, you've you've definitely had the, like, appropriate amount of viewings I feel like I'm I'm a viewing behind because I've only or I'm two viewings behind. Technically, I I've, this is my first viewing. So I've never seen this movie outside of today when I finished it. So I uh, I have it like way. It's like super fresh. And so I'm kind of I don't know. I'm I'm it's you know, it doesn't really do it justice because like I'm just my initial reaction is kind of on the on the flaws if you will or just kind of like on the tone it's the tonal shifts from just a Quentin Tarantino movie where like this movie feels like he's trying to do so many genres I, I almost feel like it's like he wanted to do another western but he was like well I want to do a western and I want to do uh you know martial arts exploitation film and I want to do a uh, Scorsese style go, going over like somebody's life in Hollywood and like doing this kind of like it's the deeper but what, seated underbelly what better narration than and then to be able to do all that stuff other than like because right. that's the but uh, I, Hollywood I'm, is a land is, of fairy tales you know what I mean it is no, exactly and it's like it's cool like when they send when they spend time on sets like I'm I love it and I'm in, I'm enthralled but it's like when they spend like forty minutes of him doing the western. And I, it's like, I'm just, I think it's when I'm starting to get invested into a, into a scene, into a, like a thread, it just, it's cut and it's, you know, and it's goes to something different. And I think that's just, that's my first impressions. I think watching it again, now that I know the pacing, I'll definitely be able to enjoy it more or at least, you know, get more out of it. And yeah. so that, that would be my only critique is that it's, it's editing was kind of whack, but. That's, you know, it's fair because it's like, that's the thing. I was, I was feel like I was, I was baffled. I feel like I was taking crazy pills because last night I finished, I watched it last night and I was, I was looking on like Letterboxd and like Reddit and just kind of getting like, I was like, what is that? Like, I know this film is pretty divisive. I remember being pretty It is. Divisive. Yeah. It's pretty polarizing. Yeah. And, uh, I like a lot of people's takes were <laughs> fucking insane to me, but the biggest thing I realized uh, is like was similar to my own interpretation when I first saw it is pretty much the same as everyone else. First time watching it, it's all about expectations. Like uh, Quentin Tarantino has is a household name, 
right? You see the ninth movie by Quentin. <laughs> Your angle right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I can't. Well, going, it's like he's like slowly I'm, melting. No, no, no. You're cool. <laughs> you're cool. Don't, get, I'm like, get comfy, well, bro. You're good. I'm in this. No, I'm in this fucking. How this bed is. How this bed is set up. I'm like. I really, I feel like a geriatric patient right now. Like I am. You look, like, you look like one. <laughs> I like it. I'm leaning, I'm leaning back. Hey. I feel like I got like hospital socks on and I'm just like, I'm here, like <laughs> all I need I'm is like, your I'm, voice, bro. It's all good. I, I know. I know. That's why we're not doing video. So yeah. I can just be over here like fucking globbing out everywhere, <laughs> yeah. dude. Just like uh, I'm folding out. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> it's like, it, it's all about expectations, I think. Right. So it's like the first viewing. Everyone, everyone has this idea of who Quentin Tarantino is and what a capital Quentin Tarantino movie is. And you see this movie and it's very just like, you know, nonchalant, very kind of like over the place, kind of like cut twos and like flashbacks and like quick gags and stuff. That's just very much more focused on like this character development, but like there's no plot thread. There's no huge quest for revenge there's no bag of diamonds you know what i mean there's none of this shit that right. were right and there's like no violence there's like if you were at all familiar with history there's like this threat of impending violence uh right if you know anything about um i mean hollywood and the summer right, if you know fall of 1969 right and what happened there right, right right if you've if you've heard of that i mean if you know the name sharon tate and then there's and then what's wild is like because of this movie i looked into it and there's so many wild things that happened that year but um Oh yeah, sixty nine was a fucking bonkers year, man. In this, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, but uh, I think there was a lot of male posturing, which was kind of it was it was kind of cool to see. Like, there's like, a vulnerability, and then just like the like perceived toughness. Like, I love freaking what, what's it, Cliff or whatever? What's his name? Who's who's Brad Pitt's character yeah, again? Yeah, Cliff, uh, Cliff Booth, the stunt man. Yeah, cl- yeah, Cliff. Like, Cliff like has that fantasy. That if he if he actually went on set, you know, to go to try to be like a, a bit part, he would to get a stuntman job. He would like fight Bruce Lee. No, that <laughs> like, that that that's a flashback or, that happened. Or is that a flashback? Did that really happen? Oh, okay, okay. That's why. So that's, what I, that's what I mean. In storytelling wise, yeah, because that... it kind of confused me because he was on the he was on the roof and he was he like he literally like looks up and it fades to that scene and then he comes back to him and he's like uh, probably or something like that he says something he says, that's like fair affirms enough. that yeah, it would be fair enough yeah fair enough and it's like it just seems like something that would be a fantasy to it, him but yeah. i guess it was it, it was supposed been, to be it's in his memory so obviously the fact that he like throws bruce lee and basically totals a car is has fairy fantasy elements within his mind or the movie but like yeah, it's like uh, he's not invited to set. He says earlier, like, do you want me to come with you? And he's like, no, Randy's on the set. And so, you know, you can't come. And he's like, oh, okay. And so he's like. Are you sure, dude? I feel like that 100%, was a fantasy. But- no, 100%. He's fixing the antenna. And he's like, fuck, I could be on set right now. But then he thinks back to why he's not allowed on set. And he's like, ah, yeah, all right, fair enough. No, I okay, whatever. It, I it doesn't promise. Matter. I promise you. No, I, I see what you're saying. The Either way, that's what I'm saying. Either I mean, way, it could it, be like it happened, embellished. It doesn't matter how it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it happened. If that was true, it's presented true to what happened. Yeah, it's presented as a flashback, right. but it certainly it's in his could, remembered. Could be totally embellished. I, you know, I just think it is because how they portray Bruce Lee in that is like pretty, pretty like that was that was the thing that bothered me is every character in this felt like a Wes Anderson parody or something. They were really weird 
like how he was glamorizing Hollywood and then kind of making a mockery of people at the same time. It didn't feel, it just didn't feel coherent. I think that's, that's where I need to watch this again. Yeah, like I need, you know, I need to take a break and then watch it again because I, I like to me, I just felt like he wasn't capturing like, it's like he was trying to glorify it at the same time as Bruce Lee seemed like, seemed the kind of, I don't know, like, dumb it's it was like seemed like a oh god offensive or something but not not like racially offensive or anything but necessarily just more like he just seemed like a dumb idiot blowhard or something and i was like that's so weird that he would take that stance yeah i mean i've heard some people say that but it's just like that's just a hollywood legend you know who the fuck knows exactly unless you knew him uh but it's just weird because because he took it's like quentin tarantino respects bruce lee so much that he fucking personified Bruce Lee's character in Kill Bill. And then in this movie, he's making him seem kind of like an asshole and a dork. And I like, it was just, it was weird to me to be like <sighs> watching this, knowing the history like of Qu- Quentin Tarantino and be like, that was weird. It's so good. Cause it's like, he even, so I love it. I absolutely. So let me, let me just break it down r- real quick. My, my kind of like journey. Right. So first time I saw it pretty much in the same boat as you re liked it. Obviously, it was extremely well-made. I had some issues with, like, pace and stuff in the first half, especially. Um, First time. You know, I liked it, but I was like, oh, cool, you know. And then I was like, oh, when it came out, I watched it again. I was like, holy shit, this is actually way better the second time now where I kind of know where everything's going and, like, the vibe of the movie and my expectations have changed. Uh, Let's just assume this is my third time that I watched it yesterday. Yeah. My favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. His best movie. Wild. I mean, are you sure that's not just like recency bias? It's like, dude, because I honestly, I'm trying to think like I'm thinking like Kill Bill or uh, well, Kill Bill even gets I like that is edited flawlessly. But I think like even like Pulp Fiction, where it's like it's such a I need to watch Pulp Fiction again. From, but I just remember how broken up it was. But yet it like all the threads come together and it like works perfect where this movie felt like I didn't know what timeline we were in half the time. Yes, yeah, yeah I feel like I felt that way the first time, but the, like going around, it's like it felt really, really coherent to me this time. But yeah, I think a lot it. of it was just like I feel like the way he structures his movies, like he was known for being weird with his film structure and continuity right. and timeline, right? And I think this does that. He like pulls it back a little bit and just kind of has it be more loose which fits the theme and like the tones and everything. But it's like everything he does is just really showcasing his writing and directing specifically. Like I think the editing and the cinematography and everything's all really good, but it's just like, I think his writing is the most nuanced it's ever been with the most interesting and well-developed characters, two main characters anyway. Uh, but it's like in a setting, but it's also like he's kind of having his cake and eating it too. But you mentioned uh, that like he's like making fun of, but also idolizing these people in Hollywood. And that 100% tracks for me to, to the point he's even doing it to himself where it's like, I felt like by the time we got to the part where the uh, Manson family shows up, it's so ridiculously graphic and over the top where he's like slamming her head in the fucking fireplace and everything. Right. right. That it's like literally, I feel like Quentin Tarantino at that point, like it's so gratuitous that he's like, here's what you came for at the same time, like making fun of himself for his like super violence. Like, cause that's the only time there's really is violence other than like a little, like a little bit here and there. 
but like it does feel like sort of tongue in cheek with itself. Like I don't know. I feel like he's having the most fun in this movie, but also it's just like there's so many small threads of show don't tell and great character writing that links into character development and character growth that is that's the best in any movie like character wise like maybe not the best plot but the best characters and the best nuanced storytelling with his fucking directing where he's doing some crazy shit in this like shit i didn't notice like there's there's this one shot i really stood out to me this watch so it's during the the fake part when he's shooting the western, right? And Timothy Oliphant shows up, which I just finished. Yeah, dude, I I, I just finished Deadwood. It's so, so good. <laughs> yeah, no, like I saw his I saw his names in the credit, and I was like waiting for him. And when he showed up, I was like Timothy. <laughs> I know everyone's fucking just randomly in this too, which is hilarious. But um, that there's a scene in there. It's just so many small things that he's just like he knows what he's doing. But there's the shot. They're about to have the shootout. And then Timothy Oliphant's character shoots behind his back, right? Oh, yeah, that's and sick. And it, it breaks for that one shot, the 180-degree line. And it's yeah. really kind of, like, jarring, but it works because it's, like, a trick shot in more ways than one. It's a trick yeah. shot for the camera and a trick shot with the gun. And it's just, like, there's so many things like that that I caught on this watch of, like, just clever fucking things where it's, like, this is a master working. Like, I don't know. Like, that's why right. I'm, like, this and is I think him But I, I guess peak. it's, like, because... <laughs> I guess I I fall in the boat. I mean, there's I've no samurai. It, I, there's no samurai sword, so you hate it. I know. I think. To, I mean, kind <laughs> of though, but no. But really, what it is is like, it's it almost just feels like a parody of himself, and that is that's kind of where we've that's like that's kind of what's happened to a lot of our great. Like even I'll I will admit as much as I love Wes Anderson, he has. I mean, he has become. He's still an amazing director, but he's just kind of become a parody of himself. He know, and he knows it, right? And so they get, they do get a little bit more deep and a little more meta with have, what they're creating. Have you because listened, they know who they are? Have you listened to our episode on uh, <laughs> Asteroid City? On, on Asteroid City, right, right, right. Well, I loved it. I mean, that's the thing, and it's like that's his most I, uh, fucking inge- ingenuitive but, fucking movie he's made in years, right? In years, and I yeah, and I agree. Style wise, you're right. But styles, and I think that's where it is. It's like with Quentin Tarantino. I guess it's like, man, dude. I don't know. I didn't feel like. Uh, I think there's a couple things going against me here because Leonardo DiCaprio is not my favorite actor, and so I feel like he plays like the same character in all of his movies, and so I like him. And that's you know that that kind of just that's that goes without saying. You can get that out of the way, but I don't think he brought anything too special. Like I felt like he was. He did a little like Wolf of Wall Street in this with a little bit more like sadness, I guess, if you will. Or like, I don't know, just kind of like it this, felt like this feels felt, like like Tarantino's Wolf of Wall Street. I actually was thinking that, too, where it's right, like that's, it's funner, that, yeah. it's looser. You know, you got Jonah Hill smoking crack in it. You know what I mean? That that's, type of movie. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like this is that this is that movie where I just think it is. It's like I guess what this is, is like. This is just a uh, a la carte of every other movie he's ever made. He be- that's why that's just why for my first viewing, I kind of feel like he's just taken he literally like he's like an animator and he's just taken all of his scenes that he's already done and he put a new character on top and is just no, running it that's, through again. That's fucking disingenuous cuz there's no like, I think what, that's, like what characters cuz it's like Well, he, he's doing what Quentin Tarantino does, right? He's like hitting I think the beats. That's, I think that's what I'm. He's doing like the yeah. snapshots and stuff, but it's like this is a fully fucking. This is a, his most 
gentle, like, and you know, it's a, uh, it's cozy month, right? So it's like, I think, I think, yeah, I think choosing this for cozy back 69, it does, but like, yeah, it's got a thread good, uh, of impending doom that all of these movies, cozy month, man, cozy month's dark. Cause it's like, they've all had this imposing, imp- like it's, it's all going to come crashing down. Like nothing leaves me feeling that warm and fuzzy. Like there's always the gut punch. <laughs> like first cat. Well, first car wasn't cozy, but that's what set it off. But it's like fucking all of them. Portrait but yeah, but it's bitter, bittersweet is what we would. That's what I've been calling them because it's like they're, they're cozy, but they're like bittersweet. They have, like, they've all been bittersweet. The, I mean, yeah. Well, this and this like the reason I really liked this movie is because I knew the historical context of it. And so like I knew like a lot of the characters they shoot, they shown like throughout. I'm like, oh, OK, I kind of know like a little bit of their trajectory and like I totally like like Quentin Tarantino he clearly is you know a film historian and he's like he's t- 10 times smarter than we are and so like I you know I respect him on that front and so it's fun to see him bring in characters that I know like because like fucking Rick Dalton is like he's kind of he's your mixture of like a John Wayne and like a Clint Eastwood type you know and I'm sure he's got like 10 other different actors mixed into who his character is but for me personally, Clint Eastwood was the one I had because it's like fucking rawhide is what he started in. And then he went to do spaghetti westerns and it's, you know, that like Italian westerns. And so it just kind of he has that like he has that same trajectory that like I think just a lot more people in 60s, you know, Hollywood had. Like, I think there were a lot more Italian directors making things in the late 60s and then clearly, you know, through the early 70s. And that's through the set all through all the 70s. And so right. I think it like see his uh it, it's fun to see the history yeah. in this movie for sure. Yeah. I mean, I get that, but it's like, uh, it definitely, you could say that it's inspired by like any, like any big archetype and Clint Eastwood's a good one. Cause it's like, you could definitely say that he's like uh like a B version of Clint Eastwood. And he even says that, uh, is it working still? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure you said you didn't know how long it records. So, uh, he says, it's like, he even says, uh, Al Pacino's character is like, Fuck Sergio, whatever the fuck, is the second best at spaghetti, uh, director of a spaghetti uh-huh. westerns. So it's just like, you know, he's this uh, Clint Eastwood type persona that gets typecast and has never really got a chance to like move on to like being bigger and better things like Eastwood being a director and shit and paving his career more. And it's just like, uh, you know, where for every Eastwood, there's 10 other guys that like Jake Cahill played Jake Cahill in the fucking Bounty Law. And then sort yeah. of dropped into obscurity, right? And did a couple Italian westerns. And so it's like, I don't know, you feel for. Uh I I agree. Again, <laughs> first watch, Leonardo's doing Leonardo, right? And then uh Brad Pitt is always fucking hot oh, and charming and likable. And he won love, he won yeah. the Oscar. So, so he's you know, he's great. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. I love Brad Pitt. So totally, he won like, he won yeah. the Oscar for this, I'm, and it, rightfully so, because it was surprising. I'm a simp, good. dude. I, I'm a simp for Brad Pitt, obviously, like every simp. other fucking human in the world. <laughs> if you're a if you're a biological organism and you see Brad Pitt, you want to fuck. So it doesn't even matter. I know. I'm like, like he <laughs> takes his shirt off and he's repairing the antenna. I'm like, this guy's like 60. <laughs> like, get fucked. <laughs> like, yeah, I know for real stuff. Well, no, but I was really thinking, I'm like, I'm like, ah, he's not. He's not quite the uh, Fight Club tight, so you know. At least, know. At least he's human. At least, at least you know we're all I we're like all human. Slowly <laughs> leathering, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but even, but no, it's like oh yeah. Sorry. Well, Kurt Russell too. Kurt Russell was like oh, my. Yeah. He was one of my favorite parts in this because it's like 
it's I guess what this movie does is like every time I'm watching this movie or I mean God every scene that came on and there was a character in it that was in one of his previous films I just would think of like I saw Kurt Russell and I was like oh man Death Proof is so cool and like I wish it's like there's a character in this movie that's kind of like that character in Death Proof where you you think he's really tough and cool that's kind of what like where Brad Pitt was like he's super he's not like creepy he's super calm and he's like but he's like super collective and he but he also kind of like he has like a brooding force to him. And then you think he's not necessarily soft, but then he like fights the hippie and you're like, oh, fuck. He's like, he's, you know, he's got some violence behind him where I love in Death Proof. They like do that where, you know, Kurt Russell's character is like he seems super creepy and like super skilled and violent, you know, and he's this like stunt driver. But then when he finally gets caught, he's like whimpering and he's like, you know, he's like, help me. And they like beat the shit out of him. And it's just I like I like seeing all of his characters that he's used in the past. And it just makes me think of Quentin Tarantino films. And like, yeah, no, this is, this is kind of just a, this is a nostalgia trip for him. And I think for his fans as well. He outright says that. I mean, there's an entire conversation with Al Pacino at the beginning where he's just like, people see your face and they think Jake Cahill from your previous thing. And when this guy kicks your ass, they're thinking, Oh, that guy's kicking this guy's ass. Right. Yeah. And it's like literally about like relating to these past characters. Cause this definitely is, in a way, yeah, like Tarantino's greatest hits without, but like Tarantino's greatest hits with his tropes, with everything, but like set in a completely different setting. There's no, like he's known for like hitmen, fucking guns a-blazing, crime stories, right? Uh, like he's known for that. So it has everything but that. And I think if this had been Tarantino's greatest hits, but with like more of a Tarantino plot, people would fucking devour it whole. But the fact that it's a Tarantino's greatest hits, but told through like this, like weirdly slow paced story of just like a bromance that also, because it even does historic, like he does the fucking historical fiction aspect from like Inglorious Bastards, but, but plays within a way more interesting way. And I love, you know how much I love Inglorious Bastards. But it's like, he plays with your expectations. The first time I saw this, I had no idea how it was going to end. I thought for sure. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, the fucking Manson family's coming to kill Sharon Tate and all those guys. How does Cliff, how does fucking Rick and Cliff play into this? You know, and the fact that it all spins around at the end and in such a hilarious and goofy way. That's like, that's the Tarantino, Tarantino, good, good that everyone came exactly, for. Exactly, right. To the right, point, right, right. It's, it's like, yeah. Jack, he's literally like masturbatory. Like, okay, add one more shot yeah. of him smashing the head. Yeah. Which comes out with the, I'm oh, it's there great. For it. It's so good. But, uh, and then it ends with like the bit, the music. And then it's like, everyone's happy and alive. And like, there's so much potential for, for Rick and for Sharon and for everyone. And then it hits you with the once upon a time. And like that was the hardest fucking title drop. Cause it's like you, you, you're brought back to reality there. You're like, Oh yeah. In real life, this happened, but there was no Rick and cliff in real life. And these people <laughs> yeah. were all brutally fucking murdered. And I know. Right. And, and so it, it's it like, really did like, it did change. I mean, this is, it's not hyperbolic to say that that incident had a large ripple effect on Hollywood. Huge, it, dude. It, it ended it the totally, fucking hippie movement. Like it basically ended. I mean, well, I think Vietnam ended well, it, yeah. but I think that that I think that in, things, Hollywood, yeah. in Hollywood, in Hollywood well, specifically, that hit closer that to home. Incident, people, Americans right. don't have to think 
about Vietnam unless they're getting their sons are getting drafted. But that yeah, in Hollywood specifically, like that hit like yeah. Oh God, that's the fucking coming home, you know, and the disillusion of the fucking summer of love and everything. Right. I mean that yeah, that's what's but no, crazy. And it that's had a huge fucking ripples. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And it's wild. Like I mean that's that's what sucks is like this is such a movie that does have like the more I'm thinking about it now, I'm like there there are so many like true callbacks or not even callbacks, I guess, but like true historical things that happened in Hollywood that I'm like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Fuck. Like when they think that, uh, Oh my God, Rick, whatever. And why am I forgetting their stupid Brad Pitt's character? Cliff. They're cliff. They think that I like, like cliff killed his wife because like that really happened, um, to whatever her name is. Now I'm spacing out where she was with like, was like Dennis Hopper and, and William Defoe. And they were on a boat and she fell off a boat and died. And she drowned. That really happened in real life. And so like, yeah, it's like all the, there's, there's so many, what the fuck's her name? If I, if I could remember her name, oh my God, it's right there. Oh, what is it? Damn it. Every, somebody out there in podcast land is yelling it right now at me, but uh, I'll try to look it up as we're, as we're talking some more, but like, anyways, the amount of like historically accurate things in this movie blows my mind and it does it like it really did like hit hard at the end like where i was kind of like i'm like oh man i mean it you know who knows maybe you know things would have been different in hollywood if like that that scenario didn't happen and it's like but i'm also like i'm also scared because you know freaking it makes me also think of an even darker timeline where manson got stronger or something crazy i don't know (laughs) but Uh, yeah but yeah no it's i don't know it's like even him doing that, it's wild, and it's fucking, I don't know. Like, there's so many things. I feel like this time I really noticed a lot more stuff. Like, I was always pretty lukewarm about Leo DiCaprio's performance. Like, I thought it was good. But this time, I was really more noticed his, like, struggle. Like, they never mention it. But his struggle with his stutter and his character's stutter that he gives. And they, like, there's a couple times, like, yeah. that's obviously why he's fucking his lines up, why he's so worried. Uh. And it's like, there's so much good character development. And it's like, even uh, Cliff, first time I watched it, I was like, oh, like, he killed his wife. Like, he, something happened, and he snapped in the heat of passion and killed his wife on this boat. Second time I watched it, I was like, maybe he didn't actually kill his wife, or maybe he didn't mean to. This time I watched it, I was like, he took her out on the boat to kill her, got himself drunk to kill her, and he was miserable. And now he's the most carefree, chillest dude. He's just living in a trailer with <laughs> yeah. his dog because he killed his fucking bitch wife that he hates. And he like <laughs> get that power. And so I'm like, this time I'm like, that's his character. And like that's why he's so just like, I'm chilling. But also I ain't ever going to prison and I ain't gonna let you suck my dick unless you're 18. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, right, right, right. <laughs> Well, I think that's the thing. Yeah, is he like he he doesn't he already he already let his like dick control his life one time, and so now he's like, yeah, he's like never, I'm not gonna let that happen again. again. Randy's the only girl for him. <laughs> yeah, dude, she's, I love the, Brandy. she's the goodest dog. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, and this was such a but even like God, this movie had the so many show don't tell of the building of the quote unquote relationship between Cliff and the hippie girl. They're like he sees her three times throughout town and there's so much there's no dialogue yeah. spoken until he finally picks her up but there's so much relationship of like Cliff and Boots world interacting with like this real thing 
and then it yeah that's true i do like that i like it taking us out of the like the quote-unquote fairy tale and putting us on the fucking streets of la like that was nuts yeah dude that was that was beautiful dude every shot of them just fucking speeding yeah through the streets of la dude i I know and like it's funny i usually i was for a moment kind of like annoyed i like i it is quentin tarantino's style to do like a music drop in a car and they're driving you know but like in this, it didn't bother me as much when it was like the huge wide shots going through and you like it. And it was nice because there were times where it like totally like reveled in what L.A. was. And it, sh- you know, it really like that nice driving and shit. You know, it's like really dope stuff to see the history. But then like I liked when it just kind of blew by all the neon and stuff and like just like what it used to look like. And it, it's it's cool. It's like, yeah, it's kind of- apparently they like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he pretty much can do whatever he wants. And so he was able to like outfit all those buildings like all of it's practical and so a lot of the a lot of them kept the facade too because they were like oh shit well if you're gonna put this cool old-fashioned look on you know why not building, right that's cool why not yeah, yeah. keep it yeah that makes sense so and it's pretty like, crazy yeah i mean i was wondering about that too because i'm like so many movies get made there they probably try to look timeless in a lot of areas you know uh but like i'm like there's no way like i don't know how they got all that i'm like some of it might be cg like David Fincher style, but, uh, and some of it might be, some of the wider shots might be, but like, uh, that makes sense that he did that. Cause it's like, he, I, he, that's the thing. He knows he's part of that town. And so it's like, he's simultaneously showing his love for not only Hollywood, but like the machine that makes all the fucking inner movies that it is like, he wanted to make this fairy tale, which what movies are and just take you away. And, uh, Fucking worked. I hope his next movie doesn't have any violence in it, just to see. Like, well, that was, dude. Like that actually film, was what I was thinking critic, before. Like, I hope. Yeah, before the fucking ending, I straight up was like, "Oh, this is going to be his least violent film ever." Well, it's, and then, it still and is then probably. It, it's still, it's yeah, true. Actually, yeah, probably still is. But like, if we're talking like <laughs> deaths or something, you know, or like, or just like actual violence, like. It does have very little. And so, yeah, I was like waiting for, you know, I was, I kind of was kind of wanted it to be. And then when the violence happened, I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, whatever. It's great. But that's why, that's what I'm saying. It does. It's really cool. And it's like the build up to it is so good because you're like the whole time, the entire movie is like this build up attention. If you know about like, you know, Manson and everything. And it's like the scene with him at the ranch is like super tense, but, uh, it's yeah, it's like the punt the, the the payoff is so good and then just Leonardo DiCaprio coming out with his flamethrower he's so proud of and just roasting her. <laughs> and then uh Emil Hirsch being like he's like, Oh, you torture at the end? He's like, Yeah. He's like, Oh, he's like, I believe it or not, I actually have a flamethrower in my shed and he's like, From the the from, from the five fifths of McCluskey and he's like, Yeah, 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 I, yeah. He's like, I kept it. I know, like, right, and they, <laughs> so it, yeah, it, right, it, just, right. it feels so good. I don't know. It feels so good. I don't know. I, I like Quentin Tarantino. Say what you want about him. He's a, a douchebag kind of a human being. But man, that guy can like I always forget because his directing is so flashy. I know well, I don't forget, but it's like I'm distracted sometimes that it's like about what an incredible writer he is as well. Like he's such a good writer director that I love it, man. Like, I don't know. Like all his movies are good. <laughs> Right. I know. I mean, that's the whole thing. I can't, I, mean, I, I can't I think believe he's like, only made nine movies. You know like, what I mean? Like, yeah, that is, yeah, that is wild. And it's like, he really, I mean, he really like, oh man, I don't know his, his relationship with the Weinstein is kind of the, which honestly like is his, 
is his biggest flaw. Like beyond that, though, his like he does it's fucking arrogance he, is his he, biggest flaw, bro. <laughs> well, sure, yeah, but I think that kind of just is baked into a lot of people who are yeah, he <laughs> successful. Was, he in Hollywood. was arrogant but, from the get go. He was arrogant when he worked at Blockbuster or whatever the fuck. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, right, right, right. He like, it's like yeah, I'm he the just greatest watched. screenwriter of all time. Wrote well, two, two yeah. romance. And I'm like, yeah, you are a great. Like that's the thing. It's like he's gonna end with ten movies. And he's going to be fucking, there's going to be college classes about him. And I, like, I don't know, though, dude. Do you think he really will end? Right now, I'm going to go on. I'm going to say he's not going to end with I, 10. Right. I, I didn't think so before, but I watched an interview with him a couple months ago. And he's he's set on it. I think he's set. I think he's going to end. But because he even says, I'm not directing any more movies. I think he'll probably, because he, uh, I noticed on this movie the first time ever, he's produced all his other movies. But this one, he had a PGA next to his title, Producers Guild, right? And so I'm like, oh, if he's like in the Producers Guild now, he's still going to be, he's going to produce movies. Like he's probably, and he'll write books. He might write, but he's, I don't think he's going to like write and direct another film. Unless he has like a weird Kevin Smith moment, (laughs) you know? That's what I mean. That's what I'm just saying. He's too young. He's he's like, he's too young. And like I think that that it'll it'll call to him. He literally want to make something. It might it might because he's too good at it not to. But like he he mentioned in this interview, he was like basically uh, he's like like Kubrick, like he got out while the getting was good by foot like dying. You know what I mean? But it's like he's a, <laughs> he died at the top of his game. I'm not I'm not gonna die. I'm just gonna retire at the top of my game and not have this slow downfall of making shit. Like he's like I'm riding high. And he is like, obviously this movie is pretty divisive, but, and I mean, I might've been a little bit hyperbolic. I don't well, know if it's my favorite of his. Okay. Okay. That's what I was going to say. This can't be your favorite. Well, my, my favorite's probably can... hateful eight just cause it, but that's the thing. I think all right. the, all his other movies are your favorite <laughs> because of style points. And I think the only right. thing this movie has against it is the setting is beautiful and it fits the characters and it fits the story. But for quote unquote style points, I just don't give that much about give a fuck about the sixties that much, but right, you know, exactly. it's That's not like com- the yeah. cool old West in a fucking snowy cabin. It's not badass world war two fucking revisionist history. It's not fucking cool hitman riding around in LA quack cracking wise. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have yeah. that like that, like cool, like, Oh, he's so cool. Like it is cool, but like in a different way that not everyone thinks is cool. Not his version right, of it's, cool. It's, he created what was cool in the 90s. This is what he grew up and thought was cool back when he was a kid. You know what I mean? Exactly. And th- and this doesn't really have like I think this just doesn't have that 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 strong deep like hero to root for. This is, you know, that's what it's this is just a a more like subdued buddy comedy. It is. And you know, it like so it is it is kind of fun. And then and that's why I feel like it feels kind of more like a fucking Scorsese film because it's just the glitz and the glamour. And it's a, he, it's funny. He does time period movies, but like this is kind of one of his first, like strictly, I mean, I guess besides, you know, his Western pieces, but it's like, kind of like, it's just interesting that he made like a true period piece. Cause it's like Jackie Brown isn't a true period piece, you know, like, you know, all of his movies are kind of set in this like timeless zone yeah. where this is like, this is like, directly rooted to a legitimate like there's actual dates thing. and time you <laughs> yeah know what I mean? there's da- and there's actual historical figures that existed then that root it in this like like everything like the buildings have been modified the cars like dude he shut down the 101 in hollywood 
to shoot all the replica cars on there, like fucking practical, because he's goddamn Quentin Tarantino and he's extra. That's yeah, it. yeah, yeah. This, yeah, that's a that's hundred percent accurate, right? <laughs> I I think that uh, I think this is an appropriate time to tell you it was Natalie Wood. She was with uh, Dennis Hopper, I think, or somebody, somebody, and uh, I want to say it was Dennis Hopper and fucking William Defoe when they were they were on a boat together and she drowned and it's like one of those things where you're like god who i can't i can't find on her wikipedia i can't see who she was with i have to look it up because i like to imagine uh, yeah that rings a bell but like i like to willem dafoe he's never hurt anyone but i also might like him more if he like secretly killed someone i don't know because he's such a sweetie i don't know something willem dafoe is like maybe my favorite actor (laughs) he's top three for sure for me but so and I'm that's why I'm pissed that fucking poor things isn't playing here. Oh yeah, baby. Starting, I know it's starting next here. week. It's playing at one theater here, and it's playing at fucking uh, anyway in Sandy, which is annoying. But, but uh, anyway, also I can gush about this movie. I I I really think I, you should watch it again eventually. Give it a year or yeah. two. Watch it again because once you <clears throat> kind of know what it's all about, because I I feel like that's. A lot of people don't like to rewatch movies unless it's like a movie that like a, a fucking crazy mind fuck uh, Christopher Nolan movie where it's like, oh, I didn't get all the details in the twist. But I think yeah. it's just as important to not be focusing on where a movie's going and be able to kind of appreciate knowing where it's going and understanding like all the build up to it. Because this movie has so much good like foreshadowing and so many just lines that connect that I never saw to like someone will just drop a really casual line, but then there'll be a small facial reaction from Leonardo DiCaprio. That's like, that relates to his struggle in a way I never noticed. Like there's, okay, there's, cool. That's so yeah, many, I'm excited for that. Cause so many things I like did that like his character like, so written, in this. You know what I, mean? I, I, it, I guess it's one of those things where I'm like, I feel like he plays the same character all the time. And so I'm, and that's my own bias. And so I need to like, I'll come, I'll come into this next time. Like understanding that like he's playing this character. And cause I know he's a, he's a very talented actor, obviously like, and he, he works really well with this director. So like, I'll see, you know, his, it, how he takes direction. It's well. so cause weird. He, cause you're right though. Like, um, right. He, right. He is very typecasted and he doesn't, he doesn't have, he's got like some subtleties, but I feel like he doesn't have much range like it's weird like i feel like he's he's a good he, i mean that's why he's that meme where his eyes are just kind of his eyebrows you know he does a lot of good like menacing squints but like his broad acting doesn't really quite exist like he gets angry pretty well but well see that's that's the thing it's like you know i uh i kind of agree with you because i know a lot of people were sort of ragging on him for killers of the flower moon most recently oh my god but i loved him in that actually which well, is so funny right he, yeah. he's fucking crushes it and there's no but, doubt he gets another nomination this year i guess because he does kind of play a different character in that a he little does bit, he does sort of he's like right? more of kind of a duller he plays he, like a he's yeah but that's yeah. the thing about i think that people get hung up on is they get hung up on like the big outward stuff and that's always how it is with acting so it's like in once upon a time in hollywood People get caught up on all the fucking the big emotional scenes and him freaking out in his trailer and being like, right. God damn it, I shouldn't have I should only had four or five whiskey sours. I had to have eight whiskey sours, you know what I mean? And which is it's so great, it's so funny. But uh it's like you don't like I said, I didn't notice all the shit. There's so much smaller, subtle shit that he does throw in there that I'm well, like, I was gonna say my favorite like, oh, scene yeah, with him. It's, it's it's I don't know. You don't notice it, it as much. Yeah, and like I don't know if this is my favorite. You know, well, uh, 
I'll I'll go first. But favorite scene might be between him and the girl, the the girl actress. Like like when he like goes to like talk to her. Like there is there's such a like honesty in it and like a vulnerability that I really so like. I was like, oh, so that's really bad. cool. And then I loved I loved how smart she was too. That was super fun. And so. Like she's yeah. being really liked, nice to him and he's like, oh, you're right. Like pumpkin puss or whatever. And then she's like, yeah, I don't like names like pumpkin puss, but you're upset. So we'll talk about this later. <laughs> like, right. 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 It just seemed like it, ma- it made me, it made me really happy. Cause I was like, oh, that's a really well-written scene because Quentin Tarantino wasn't just pandering and making this child show sympathy to him. Like she was like, no, I'm, I'm going to hold like, you know, she's like, I'm going to have my boundaries with you. And it and be like as a real it seemed like a real conversation and then, like it just felt so grounded like she was he was like what are you 12 and she's like I'm eight and I'm like well fuck dude she probably is like forced to have the maturity of someone who's 12 because of being in Hollywood and like you know just I don't know in the 60s I can't imagine children she's were probably very well. already molested <laughs> like 10 times which is so well kind of right <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the yeah that's we haven't really t- touched on that much in this and this that's fine because it's actually kind of cool. It's like this is the first or second movie he's ever done outside of the Weinstein's. Yeah. And it it like it's kind of it's kind of trippy to be like, "Oh wow, he was really entrenched in that that company for a minute." And he like he really distanced himself and I feel like it you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that is like such a that's something we will learn in another 10 years probably how deep it went, but I don't know, man. We could, and we didn't really talk about Pl- Polanski either. And I was like, God, I, if Sharon Tate lived, he's maybe like Polanski not, he's like not even such a monster. It. Yeah, maybe. But, right. Which right. Is, and that's like, it's good that he wasn't really in it very much because I was kind sense. of afraid. Quint Tarantino loves Polanski. And so you, it shows in this movie, but it also like, I'm kind of like, I think he played it safe where he wasn't like, Polanski didn't do it, but, he, but he's just like, Polanski was a great director and still stands as a great director. And yeah, so, I mean, like, that's, you know, that's well, if anything, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Polanski and everything. Hey, I just realized I have a fucking, uh, I was looking at the video. I got a, uh, Charles Manson thing right behind me. Uh, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's like Polanski, like say what you want about him, but like this, where he says like, holy shit, that was the one scene with the minute. He's like, holy shit, that was Polanski. He directed Rosemary's Baby. And it's like, yeah, I don't right. think people really realize how fucking huge that movie was. You know what I mean? Like how big of an impact. And obviously we watched it recently, how fucking good it is. Yeah. But like, it's, yeah, it's wild. I'm, I'm glad he wasn't <laughs> in it at all. Cause it's not really. Yeah. Funny. Me too. But I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah. They an interesting, him, but. an interesting choice. I mean like a smart choice, but I, something again, I noticed this rewatch or at least paid more attention to, I, I always notice it, but it's like, uh, you know, there's the scene when he's imagining himself playing the Steve McQueen bit in the great escape. And it's very yeah. short where he's like imagining that's what it could have been. And it looks well, see, great. And you, you say imagining, dude, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be his test footage that he did for the movie. This is, this is where I'm getting at where like, I think the movie's kind of, I think it's hard to tell what is fantasy and what truly happened in real life in the, in the fictitious world of the movie. Once upon a time in Mexico, uh, or once upon a time in, you, uh, you, you're saying so, that and I'm not disagreeing with your sentiment of not right. knowing what, cause it's all very like, uh, rose tinted glasses, but I'm saying you watched it on your phone. It's a hundred percent of his fantasy in this instance. <laughs> okay, bud. I don't know, man. There's, I'm going to watch it again. I'll fight you on that. specific <laughs> dialogue where he says, I was, I didn't meet a single person in the movie. I didn't meet the director. I was on a list allegedly of a name of four other Buddy, guys. 
Buddy, I think he was trying to be modest because he didn't get the part and he feels really bad about it. All right, pal. We're gonna, we'll just agree to disagree, bud. And it, my, this is our, this my, is our most divisive my episode point, right now. I knew it was going to be like this because you have the same opinion as everyone else. Watch it. Wait until you get on my level, sir. <laughs> yeah, sure, buddy. You don't even know what's happening. You don't know what's fantasy and what's reality. I, I honestly don't. I think you're a figment. You're my Brad Pitt. You're my Tyler. Well, yeah. Oh, dude. God, I will. Yeah, you, baby. You look, of course I'm take, your... Uh, take your shirt off. You look just like him. Yeah, bud. Yeah, I got Brad Pitt body, baby. <laughs> um, no, my point was uh, they it looked really good, right? And they'd done it before... But then in the scene with Margot Robbie going to the theater, which was a such a cute little scene, she goes to the theater and she watches her movie and she's all excited and stuff. But it's like they chose, they could have easily made it to be more immersive for a newer audience. Margot Robbie, they could have obviously digitally added her into the movie like they did with Leonardo DiCaprio in The Great Escape. But all that footage is the actual footage of Sharon Tate in it's, the movie. It's yeah, right. I mean, and that, and then that goes it's deeper. Just, it's tasteful, though. You that, know what I mean? Like, it's a, that's it's a, what it is. It's a deliberate no, it, tasteful it goes, choice. That well, I because they, they, uh, what's yeah. So the the thing about this movie that I, the the little research I did before, is I found out that he didn't get he didn't talk to Polanski about this to get his permission. Fuck him. But he talked to the he, Tate family but, though, exactly. Right? Exactly, one hundred percent. So we talked to—I can't remember Diane Tate. I think is her, is her sister or something like that. But uh, she's still alive, and so she she gave a lot of wardrobe and jewelry and uh, personal belongings well, well, good. of the, Sharon Tate. So was in that. A lot of people they don't see the forest of the trees because this paints Sharon Tate in a very favorable light, oh, yeah. where you feel even if you some she died, you know, like thirty years before she, we were even born. Right, it's, and she and she died like, at like in the height of her, or you know, in the in the middle of her career. She's it's like, like, yeah, a it, massively <clears throat> pregnant, likable woman, in the fucking rising star with like this meteoric rise, and fucking brutally, brutally murdered with her blood sprayed over all the walls, and but it's just like that's what makes the ending hit so much harder too, because it's just like you right. do. I like, agree. It takes you to a place, and then you're like, nope. That's not what really it does kind of remind you in a way where it's like, I don't know. Um, what, well, it's like the end of first cow where, you know, you know, they're going to die at the end. Yeah. And, but you're kind of like you're waiting the whole time because that's the whole time in this movie. I was like, I was waiting because I knew I knew that it wasn't I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew it wasn't going to be. I, I was like, I was like, oh, I know Sharon Tate dies with her friends at the end in at night. And so all every all the day shots, I was like, hey, he, he's like, he's not going to kill them. He's not going to kill her now because it's daytime. Yeah. But then I was like, well, he might change it. You know, like I kind of the whole knows, time I was yeah. like, I knew this was going to be like his altered Quentin Tarantino's altered universe well, type of that's deal. What I like it's like it takes a historic so. event and it makes it so personal. And that's why I think these like the change he made, like I love Inglorious Bastards. But that one's like, what if we shot Hitler in the face a million times in a movie theater? Like, know, it's right. cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's all the Quentin Tarantino good, good you want. But this movie's like these two best friends, and it's like their journey of like becoming. Like, he doesn't call him a friend until the very. He's like, wait, 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 Cliff, you're a really good friend, and he's like, I, I try my best, you know. And it's like, it's it's so good. I don't know. It's so good. Like, <laughs> it's everything about it hits and like connects yeah. in a way like I get I get all the complaints I 100% get them even if I feel like they're blown out because they they are more glaring I feel like the what really works in this movie is more subtle where it's just like the things that are glaring are on purpose but like you don't I don't know 
it's not even that you look past them. You realize that like, oh, those things that I thought sucked the first time I watched it, I was actually wrong. They're actually great. <laughs> it's okay, how, I, it's I mean, how I feel now. Because I was with I will, you. Yeah, let me watch it again. I was like letterboxed, if we're going by that metric. First time I saw it, I'm like, f- probably four stars, right? I like it. like it quite a lot. I can't give it three and a half stars because that feels low, but like four stars solid, right? Now I'm like five stars. Easy. Okay. Okay. Then uh, that's, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I'll just have to watch it again. Not, but I mean, that's a, just my opinion too. There's totally, I mean, there's someone out there probably being like, Levi, you're a fucking idiot. I've seen this movie. <laughs> I hated it and I hate right it here more here every time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one other thing I got to mention is, uh, the amount of bare feet in this movie, it (laughs) does feel same with the violence. It feels like, Oh, I got a foot fetish. Fuck you. Here's my foot fetish. Even the guys don't wear shoes. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I'm going to have feet. I'm going to have a hundred feet and they're all dirty. (laughs) Well, I think we're, and I also think like it's a comment on that, like free love. And it truly is like, I was researching it and Sharon Tate, like when she would go to the movie theater, she would take her shoes off. So it's like the fact that she takes her shoes off in this movie, it's kind of like that is also a historical b- b- point, you know? And so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's like it actually kind of works to his advantage. But yes, it definitely is a little gratuitous. See, I feel thus, like Sharon the Tate, most women in joke. Hollywood wouldn't, uh, wouldn't spit on me, you know? But I feel like if I met Sharon Tate, like she would have been nice to me. I don't know. Like, I know. Right. I feel like she would have been right. nice to me. I'm like, yeah. look at me. I'm a fucking lowly peasant. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she would say hi. I'm sure she, she liked, she, she was, she was pleased with her fame and, you know, excited about it. And I, I do like Margot Robbie's take on that. That was really, that's really cute when she's at the theater and she's like, that, that's me. I'm in the movie. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you want to do a Reddit and I'll tell these fine folks how much money this fucker made. Sure. Sure. It's as much as you expect because it's Quentin Tarantino and he he can always pull in money, which kind of blows my mind because it's like he really is like the wet dream of Hollywood because he he's a he's an auteur that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. So yeah, writing and directing his own yeah. shit that's somehow niche, right. but also extremely ups, uh, like accessible. It's weird. Uh, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm trying to, think, like, Gen like Z, to get. Thing. Let me get, yeah, let me get, like, uh, Fox News on you. But, like, Gen Z watching this movie, like, I'm barely hanging in there. And so, like, I can't imagine a younger generation <laughs> hopping yeah. on. But this movie made a fuck ton of money. And kids, like, you know, young folk well, that's the thing. like it. I know it's got, you know, it's got a resurgence, I guess. Hippies the, are always in, in vogue. The first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is so much a love letter to the 60s. This time, I barely noticed it. Barely. That's, okay, I can... No, I agree. I the whole time I'm watching this until like until certain actual like 60s things happened, I kind of was like I was just in it. I was cuz it, it's because it's Hollywood, so kind of you you don't, you know, the time periods do blend. And so like but it just this is, you know, this isn't quite Quentin Tarantino where he masks what ge- what genre or what like what time period. No, yeah, he leans the but, fuck into it hard and it's like when yeah. uh, you know Rick comes back from uh, Europe and he's got the fucking longer hair and like the, yeah, that's the great. old boots and everything. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah, and I love how he talks about like the, all the pictures that he did in Italy because that's so like, dude, like the 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 fact that they crank movies out so fast there. It's so I love four, it. four movies that's in so six cool. months and he, it's like there's the yeah. shots of him. And he's like 
the narrator. He just, he's tired in the back. Kurt, yeah. Kurt Russell's the narrator also, you know, and he's like, yes, I know, baby. Uh, which, which is awesome. Cause I love it. It's just like popping in every Dude, now and again. He's I, like, he couldn't I handle it was, a tower of Babel style well, no. filmmaking of Europe. <laughs> I know, right? The babble, yeah. Well, dude, I thought that was Larry, uh, Ray Liotta at first. With the first, the first flashback narration that they did when he was like, when he's like, that wasn't true. Yeah. Rick, Rick crashed his car. I swear to God, that sounded like Ray Liotta. And then later, I was like, well, that's Kurt Russell. I'm like, did they do him at first, and then Kurt Russell later? But anyways, um, I'm gonna look it up because it's, <laughs> it it's does feel driving like that, me right. It's driving me nuts, dude. But anyways, um, because that would really be true to form to a Scorsese if he's homaging Scorsese, but yeah. uh. This movie was a $90 million movie, which total, I mean, it shows like he literally changed the face of a city for it. So which, fucking, is, yeah. which is crazy to me, though, still that this like this movie yeah. has so much production value that it's like $90 million is a lot. But it's like, I know, but every fucking Disney, Pixar and fucking Marvel movie is like $250 million. Yeah. Like, it's crazy right, right, that right. this costs like a fourth of what avatar two costs you know what i mean like that yeah. that like 90 million dollars seems conservative even though it's such a it's a fuckload of money but it is it's got to be his highest one right i'm just i'm just assuming yeah probably I it has s- to be i can't think of django maybe is probably close yeah right django might be 100 but django's anyways. got so many locations where it's like hateful eight that the time period yeah. stuff but it's all one locate well mostly one location that's the best part about westerns this <laughs> is so much shot out outside you know um, how much? Did but it, yeah, so how and much then it made it, it it made three hundred and seventy seven million. That see, that's so, Quentin, like, and honestly, right. this is like other. This is his most divisive movie, I think, because it's like either you think it's a masterpiece or you really, really didn't like it. Uh, most of the time, right? But it's like people are all over the board. Where it's like movies like um, Death Proof. It's like most people. It's not that divisive. Most people don't like it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think with time, and they're wrong. Pe- w- yeah, with time, <laughs> they're they're really people, fucking wrong. People have come around with time. It is probably still one of his weaker movies, obviously, but uh, it still rolls. I actually want to watch it again. We should watch it. We should watch, love, dude. We def- should watch both so, Grindhouse movies next to Horrortober. <laughs> I know. We should. Oh my god, why haven't we done that yet? That's because totally, we're, we're idiots. Yeah, watch we're idiots. Watch horror. T- watch Grindhouse like it's originally like God intended it with with, with did fucking you, did you Planet see Terror. That way the, with the, the trailers, trailers. Hun- dude. Honey, I worked in a movie theater when oh, Grindhouse yeah, came out. I I've watched. I've watched Grindhouse like fifty times in my I life. Yeah, I love right. Grindhouse and I Duh, love Death Proof. You got me. You got me a fucking yeah. Planet Terror poster, actually. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, I love. Because I I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll read but, the red and then we'll wrap it up because we're going pretty long. But I know, right? Uh, I gotta go get some pizza. Oh yeah. Well, you're not allowed to leave. Co- COVID pizza. I know you're, it's in the it's in the. She's gonna over. she's gonna put it on a stick and, <laughs> and hand it to she's me. Just smush <laughs> it under the door frame. On a, yeah. You always got an excuse to get out of here. Now you can't walk your dog. You're like, I got pizza. I got door frame. Pizza, I know. Dude. I got pizza. Yeah. I always got something. I always got something. Carpet pizza, baby. Uh, anyway, so old reliable. I uh, appreciate you. Clones of people too says. Uh, it took me a while to warm up to this, and I almost felt bored during the first 45 minutes. But the more I watched, the more I enjoyed it. I was expecting more of the Tarantino hyper style and was surprised at the slow build. Brad Pitt was a joy to watch and played his part so well. The film was best when he was on screen, and my favorite scene was in the hippie commune when he went to check on George. It felt like a horror film. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed some of the touches that linked it to the wider Quentin Tarantino verse. 
especially mentioning that Dalton starred in a film directed by Antonio Margheriti. So good, I know. Yeah, uh, the that's final, so funny. The final act was my favorite, although I think it went overboard on the graphic violence, even if the flamethrower bit was great. Overall, it was good, but I think I'll grow on me with another watch, 8 out of 10. Um, you just, yeah. That's 100% what I'm saying. I love it. Everything, well, dude, and the thing, I agree 100%. All with that. I love how red apples are what keeps all this universe like tightly knit. Yeah, what's the, the name red of the apple dog cigarettes, food? baby? I love, I love the brands that. He oh makes. yeah, it's Wolf, like, Wolf Tooth. Yeah, I think. Wolf Tooth. Tooth. Yeah, it's fucking cool. Like, yeah, I don't know. his brands are cool. I know it's fun. I mean, he really. That's where it is. It's like it's like like you know Clint, or, uh, fucking Kevin Smith does that too, and we love it. We love like universes. We love when they keep up. You know, I mean, that's what Marvel's doing that's, right now. That's keeping why everyone everything nowadays needs to be a fucking it's, built-in it's, universe. Uh, but met, these yeah, guys, true. these guys, Tarantino and Smith were doing it earlier on, man. Just because well, and I love how they were doing it. Just, they were doing it out of like out of dramas that were you know that are like and it doesn't even really stuff. matter. Not, it wasn't even like that intentional. It's just like. Yeah, this is like yeah. the same setting. Why wouldn't I like? Well, let's let's use a fictitious director that I used in one of my old movies in a movie about directors. You know, yeah, right. a movie with directors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love it. That scene at the ranch was really super tense and very horror like. I wish, I know, yeah, I know his next movie won't be anything, but it's like I would love to see other because a real a real Quentin Tarantino horror movie. Death Proof is not a horror movie, but. No. Oh, no. I would never call it like I would never call that a horror. He didn't. He can't commit to a horror. I know. It's, That's the it's, thing. He can't it sucks because he could do one. So, he could do one so good. I, I, don't know, I, I like. imagine his horror movie would be fucking sick. I don't know. But yeah, he can't. Right. But it also like you can't yeah, make it to a two and a half hour long runtime or Quentin Tarantino horror movie. Like I think we got to watch Thanksgiving. That'll be like the closest thing. It's like an Eli Roth t- kind of <laughs> he's he's kind of a, he's a Quentin Tarantino horror wannabe. So <laughs> yeah. That's true. He he wishes so bad. He was like, please, guys. Please. <laughs> yeah. I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, Eli Roth has always kind of sucked, but I root for him because it's. Oh, of course. He's yeah. Such a, gonna, he's I'll a watch cool, Thanksgiving. He's a cool sure. dude. And he's such a good horror fanboy, even though I like I really like uh, Cabin Fever. But uh, that's right. Yeah. That exactly. got cut from the Horrortober list this year, but it's making it on next year. Totally. I mean, and that's I want to see like whatever what a Green Inferno or whatever, because yeah. it's like. I've I've heard it's I've heard it's terrible, but I also like I just want to I want to watch it for myself because just, like yeah watch it, but it, just yeah. go watch Cannibal Holocaust again instead. I know, well, dude. I love how like everyone in the world hates Cannibal Holocaust. Me and we're, you, we're totally, I'm gonna get me, you, and we'll, like we'll Patrick. He's got a Cannibal Holocaust T-shirt. <laughs> I know. And yeah, so, he he's the one who showed me Cannibal Holocaust. So same. Like, yeah. yeah. Same. So yeah. Anyway, uh, All right, thanks. Guys. So uh, <laughs> that's Once Upon a Time Hollywood. Tell us what you think. If you haven't watched it for some reason, you made it this far, go watch it and come back and tell us. I still see old posts. I Every now and again, I'll get a fucking comment from like two years. Like somebody just commented yeah. on like a two-year-old post the other day. Uh, I still see them and I still appreciate it. So come back. That's the beauty about these. You don't have to, you know, you can watch the movie and be like, oh yeah, I've seen that movie and then listen to the podcast, right? Uh, years later. But we got one more. It's Christmas next week. We got one more. Um, cozy movie, and I didn't know for sure it'd win. I joked last episode how I was going to stack the poll to make it win. I didn't necessarily do that, but I'm glad it did win. It's because it's... I mean, it won, and it won, like, fast, too. It's like, when I went to vote, it was already, like, three or four votes yeah. in. So but everyone who's seen it sees it's really good, and everyone who likes movies has heard it's good. 
Uh, and it's super recent. So I think that's all the things. But uh, So next week, we're watching The Holdovers, uh, the new Alexander Payne movie with uh, Paul Giamatti's Sweet. wet eyes. I know. And Paul Giamatti's bald. Like he's, I don't know if he's truly balding or if he just plays balding characters. No, he's so. definitely, yeah, <laughs> dude, he's definitely got to be balding because he's looked. He's got to be, right? He's looked like his eyes about to fall out of his head and his skin is melting <laughs> off of him like that scene from RoboCop since Sideways. You know what I mean? I know. And he was like well, 30. Sideways, I couldn't tell if they thinned him. They thinned his hair in Sideways or if he's just natural. <laughs> no, there's something about I like Paul Giamatti and he hasn't been around in a while. Yeah, so, me too. I'm looking forward to this. It's a Christmas movie or I mean it takes place in the Christmas yeah. time. Uh, Alexander Payne's got a vibe. So let's uh, check that out. We may or may not be back right at the beginning. And I don't know. We'll see. Right. We'll see when we, we see when we record it. I'll make go a out post. and watch it, folks. Yeah, holidays are busy. So watch it over the holidays and we'll, we'll get to you. So. All right. And if you want to give us a Christmas present this year, uh, join our Patreon. Yeah. You can go to patreon.com slash cult of cinema knowledge, baby. As you soon, can find us on there. As soon as a stranger joins our Patreon, Jordan will get oh, much yeah. better about doing stickers because he'll have to do it for that stranger. Right now, <laughs> that it's, is true. It's like our well, friends have, and family, so it's okay. just like, ah, we'll get them eventually. No, everybody out there right now, I literally, I have like 50 stickers coming, so you will all get <laughs> your good, good, your goodies My mom year. wants to put them on her, I know. Snowboard, on her snowboard rack, she says. Okay, dope. Well, you've got them coming. I said, yeah, right, you gotta right, we'll pop them you. all over your snowboard gear and pimp us out at the fucking, the ranch, what is it, the resort? <laughs> Where do they snowboard? The reservation? Church? I don't know. Where do you snowboard? What is that called? Oh my god, I'm dumb. Anyway. Uh, uh, I don't <laughs> Well yeah, that is yeah, that's that's whatever they go. I don't know if you can snowboard in Brighton. Alright. Alright, folks. You have oh, yeah. a great you night. Can. can you? Are you yeah. sure there's one of them? Snowboard, I think you can't you can't snowboard at snowboard. No, you can't. Or is it? You can snowboard at both those places, buddy. Alta? I don't know. There's one of them that you can't. Alta Alta maybe. <laughs> Definitely, Maybe. definitely <laughs> Anyway, uh, all right, you guys, Utah, thanks, Utah thanks, facts. Thanks for listening. Uh, you, well, this you've been another episode of Utah Facts. Uh, yeah, we thanks, thanks for subscribing. We had the worst air pollution in the nation this week in Salt Lake. So, hell yeah, number one, number one. So, if you come, it'll be really good for your COVID. Yeah, nice, dude. I can't <laughs> wait. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll slurp it in. All right. I'll, I'll talk to you later. Okay. Okay. Good night. Go. Go away. <laughs>